Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Jeff Bennett in Ontario, Canada, about the transition from local church to movement. But uh, my story probably goes back about four years, Steve, where here I am a pastor in a local church and uh, was just trying to figure out ways to equip the church to do evangelism. I think I had done okay as a pastor in casting vision. I think I had done okay in doing evangelism myself, but just really hadn't ever really tried to figure out a way to equip people. And so that sort of led me on a journey and you sort of fall backwards into this movement thing and found your podcast, which was really instrumental early on and was learning all these different pieces, you know, discipleship, three thirds, church starts, and then was trying to figure out the evangelism piece. And then I found a tool that taught seven verses, where if you work through seven verses with someone, you could share the gospel. And I was thrilled with that because it was a tool. And finally, I had a tool that I could use and I could train other people in, and I'd never really thought in those terms before. So I spent a year training our church in that tool, uh, was using that tool. God was blessing that. And then as that first year was sort of Coming to an end, um, I got to the point where, oh, I was eligible for a sabbatical. And so, and I was having so much fun doing ministry. I really said to our elders, I don't know if I want to do this, just enjoying ministry right now. And they sort of wisely said, you know, Jeff, it's good to take a break even when you don't need a break. And, uh, and, And that was really good wisdom because that was 2019. Then you get two years of COVID. So I was grateful for, uh, looking back, really grateful for their wisdom. But because I was motivated with evangelism and just wanted to learn more, I uh, determined my goal was for the first three weeks of my sabbatical, and it was three months in total, to go somewhere in the English-speaking world outside of North America and just do evangelism every day. I just thought, Mm -hmm. I want to just grow in the skill set. I want to grow in my knowledge. And so, so I start emailing people I knew you know, in the UK and other places. And, you know, hey, do you know a friend? Do you know someone I want to come and do evangelism? And really wasn't getting much response from anybody. And then one of the pastors on our staff, he said, Jeff, if we got that email, we would think that person was really weird. We would just laugh and make fun and never respond. And it suddenly hit me like I was the weird guy. (laughs) So I thought I need to redouble my efforts and trying to find someplace to go. And so Stephen, actually, I emailed you. And uh, because I've been listening to your podcast, and then you pointed me to Russell in the UK. And so Russell and I had this Zoom call, and uh, Russell explained that he was coming up to do what he called 30 days in the harvest. He was going to be out every day for 30 days. And just as God would have it arranged, my time coincided exactly when with he was going to start. That is amazing that it aligned with yeah. 30 days and you wanting three weeks. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what, what, what was that like? What happened over in the yeah. UK? Again, to Russell's credit, I talked to him on the, uh, on the Zoom call, and he said, you can come and live in my house. He'd never met me, and so I ended up living in his house for three weeks. And then once I started telling people what I was doing, then they started saying, Jeff, he must be really weird, this guy Russell. Oh, he like, is, yes. <laughs> That's right. So he became the weird guy, and I became the normal guy. So, uh, But showed up there with Russell, uh, spent really 15 days every day with him, or 15 days in total out in the harvest, starting at about 10, finishing about five or six every day. 
And uh, that just was so instrumental for me. One is I very quickly learned that my seven verses was probably not the best and most simple tool. That was day two, threw that out and moved to the three circles, which he was using, which is just so much more simple and effective for that kind of environment. And so really felt like, Steve, I learned some entry skills. Not great, but I had them. And uh, But then the other thing that began to happen And there was one moment where it was one of these in the harvest stories. We met a guy at 10 a.m. He already was sort of half drunk and uh, but shared the gospel with him and just sort of saw how God used that and worked in his life. And so, you know, those stories, you, you always have those stories when you go in the harvest. But then we met him the next day and the next day after that. And so three days in a row, and Russ was sort of saying to me, well, how did you know this guy? I'm like, well, we met him yesterday. And But yet the interesting thing there, Steve, is I didn't know what to do. I'd already shared the gospel, but Russell just started right in on discipleship. And suddenly what I began to see is how all these things began to weave together. It wasn't my evangelism box and my discipleship box or church starting box, but they all were going to weave together. And so, so learned. So I began to see how this could fit together. You know, the four fields idea, how one field would flow into the next. Uh, the other thing that really God used in my heart for my time there in the UK three years ago was Russell knew scripture in such a different way than I did. You know, he had just spent the time studying what did Jesus do? What did Paul do? The missionary journeys. And I never really looked in scripture that way. And so just beginning that journey of seeing scripture, you know, through those eyes was just so formative with me. You know, we, we know we have to be careful with that. I was thinking of a time early on, we came back and we're reading Luke 10 going out in the harvest, you know, and it says, you know, don't take a purse and don't take, you know, don't wear sandals. And we had a lady on our team, so sincere. And she was wearing sandals and she had a purse. And she said, I'll put my purse in the car and I'll go barefoot. <laughs> and we had to say to her, well, it's not, not that literal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if that's one side of the argument that you can be too literal, I think I was probably way on the other extreme mm-hmm. where I didn't really see any relevance or limited relevance yeah. to what Jesus had done and what Paul had done. So that then started me on a journey. And then I think the fourth thing that happened, Steve, when I was in the UK was just this sense of just the love or how good it feels to be obeying Jesus, you know, just doing what he said, just literally going and telling people the good news and just the great joy in going out and doing that really sort of welled up in my heart. So that was, that was three years ago, almost to the day spent that time with him. And then when my sabbatical ended, sort of came back to Harbor and said, okay, I'm understanding scripture a little bit more. I've got some tools. Let's jump in and see if we can put these things into action. Okay. And what was it like to bring back the lessons and the tools to your your world? Yeah. Yeah. So I come back into a really good established church, um, but I sort of knew that if I tried to change everything, you know, it's not it's not good to be away on sabbatical and then come back and say we're changing everything. That wouldn't have been wise. So I sort of knew we just had to like yeast, let it work through the system. So the first week I was back, I just knocked on one of our staff person's doors and said, hey, let's walk across the street or just like across our parking lot. And uh, let's knock on some doors and share the gospel. You don't have it. You don't have to do anything. Just be my partner. And so he was gracious enough to, uh, I'm his boss maybe, or he thought it was crazy, but but he came. And, and Steve, what sort of struck me about that first time out is there we are knocking on the door, sharing the gospel, and I can literally see our church doors right there. 
And so you're out there on that first day sharing the gospel. The next day, one of our other pastors was back and I knew his heart was already inclined this way. And he knew what I was doing while I was away. And so he was back from vacation. And so we went out together. And then, Steve, that really started a journey where almost I think almost every week since then at our church, we've had teams of people out now every Wednesday afternoon, every other Saturday you know, uh, sometimes a little bit smaller teams, maybe six or eight, other times larger teams. For us, they're large 18 or 20 people out there sharing the gospel. And I sort of knew that would need to be the engine that drove whatever we were going to do. So I uh, came back, jumped into that, started going out of the harvest and tried to learn about entry. And then I think as we've done this, you sort of start learning about all the fields around the way. So just tease that out a bit. As, as yeah. the pastor... Yeah, you you felt like having teams out in the community was going to be the engine to help the whole church come on board. What what do you mean by that? And then all I started to do was just put pictures on Facebook on our Facebook page. Here we are out in the harvest, just naming our stats and everything, showing what we were doing. What I began to see happen, and again, not everybody gravitates towards this, but I felt like in some people it sort of resonated that now we're playing offense. And there's something maybe, this is maybe Canadian culture because we're polite and, um, you know, don't want to offend anybody. That's a key value if you're a Canadian, right? Don't ever offend anybody. That's the worst sin. But now we are playing a little bit of offense. And that invigorated people almost to say, oh, I didn't know we could play offense. And we're going to believe in the power of the gospel and not be ashamed of it. And just go out and very graciously just go out and try to love people, but try to share the gospel. And so that is what began to get the ball rolling, I think. And and again, I sort of still think that that's the engine that has to keep driving this every week. And so I've never let off the pedal as far as me being out in the harvest as trying to encourage us to do that. And, you know, sometimes you get the question when you're out there or people will say, did it work? Mm -hmm. You know, was it successful? And, and, you know, here we've got a team of maybe let's say 18 people going out and sharing the gospel. Well, our response is it's already worked. We're already making disciples of these 18 of us who are going out. God is always making disciples. Sometimes it's with other people, but it's always with us. And so as we've seen disciples be raised up and be passionate about evangelism, that then has spilled out into many areas of the church. And what has been the impact in in the community? So we're about three years into the journey, Steve, out every week in the harvest, sometimes twice a week. And what I've been amazed at is God is just giving us more and more new disciples. And and again, at first, there wasn't much fruit, probably that first year, not much fruit. But now, as we've learned to enter and then learn to share the gospel, now we're starting to see disciples raised up. I went back and looked at some stats. I think for about the last 11 months, maybe 10 months, we've baptized about a person a week. Now, that would average it out. But we're seeing about a person a week get baptized. We've seen really three churches, be three public churches. If someone was to go to our website, you'd see that our church has been able to start three more churches. There's two or three others that we don't really put out there publicly because they're still so raw and in the beginning stages, but those have begun to emerge. And then um, and then some of those churches now, those three or four that have begun, are beginning just to talk about and see some second generational growth. And so that's encouraging for us as we begin to see sort of that DNA get passed along the way. So, 
Have you have you got a story of how the gospel and discipleship has come to a, a household in the community? Yeah, I'm Steve. I'm thinking um, maybe just back in January, we uh, we were out, and I checked the weather today just so I could tell you it was it was minus ten. So in in Canadian terms, that's really cold, <laughs> and it was windy that day too. And it was a Saturday morning, and we were out, and I remember praying with the group, saying, "God, the odds are against us today." And I felt that mm-hmm. you know you just don't even want to go out in that kind of weather, and you sort of think, "Are we going to find anybody?" And really, on that day, we encountered two different people that we are still walking with to this day. I encountered one guy, but but another team, another team of two, ran into a guy who really had had his life uh, pretty full of addictions and a lot of just poor choices there. And he was nearing 30 years of age, and, and he was at a pretty low point. And he had prayed the night before. He said, God, I need something new. I need to hear from you. And so, God, send me something. Wow. And then he also prayed this, and he's, I've heard him show this story so many times. He said, God, also give me the faith to accept whatever you send me. Mm. And so, so mm. then that's that he prayed that Friday night. And then Saturday morning, he steps out of his building to have a smoke. And there come our team and share the gospel with him. And he believed and prayed before, like there was no script. He just believed and trusted in Christ. And I think one of the guys said, you want to get together tomorrow and do a second story? And he said, no, we need to get together tonight. This is so important. And so, Steve, right away, we saw this guy's life get transformed in that moment. And again, his journey has been up and down, but he has continued to walk with us over the last five months. We baptized him about two months ago. We just did a four fields training, our first one. He was a part of that and really just caught the vision for making disciples. And so he's at, he comes to our church on Sunday morning. He comes to another church on Monday night. He comes to another church we have on Wednesday night, and he comes to another thing on Thursday. And I think if we had things other nights of the week, he would be there as well. But he's coming, he's bringing his friends, and he's bringing his family. He's sharing Christ with them. And so that's just Mm. been a recent story for us, but just amazing to see how God has has transformed him. Uh, Truly, again, someone who accepted the message, uh, the messenger, and the mission is just so gravitated towards that. And one thing that we've really processed as we've gone out in the harvest and prayed is, God, would you give us fruit that lasts? You know, again, you can go out on the harvest and you'll see God work any day you go out. We That always happens. But we want to say God made the stories in people's lives, you know, last six months, last a year, last two years from now. And so when we were sort of learning that, I had gone to the bus station with my partner, met a guy sitting on the bench and asked to pray with him. And he gave a very personal prayer request, shared the gospel with him. I think he was already a believer But God used that moment for him to come back to God. I think God did something in his heart in that moment. You just have those in the harvest encounters where it's just so powerful and you just know God's at work. And so we had this great encounter. He asked me for the card that we shared the three circles on. He asked me for my number. We exchanged numbers. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to be able to disciple this guy and God's going to work in his life. And so I started texting him and praying for him every day. And uh, never, he only responded to me once in the next two months. And it was a very sort of, you know, short text. I sort of thought in my heart, God, that was really a good encounter. We're praying for fruit that lasts. Mm. And I uh, just couldn't figure it out. 
So then two months later, I'm with another partner on another day back in the bus station. And on the first time we were in the bus station, he had missed his bus and was late for work. So was sitting on the bench waiting for the next bus to come. Then two months later, different day, different time, he misses his bus again. And he's sitting there on the bench waiting for the next bus. And then God has got me there coming along to talk to him. And uh, we started the same routine, but then I remembered him and I, I remembered his name because I prayed for him every day for about two months. And then he sort of, he couldn't believe what had happened. The second time he misses the bus, there I am to share the gospel with him. And I said to him, God is after you. You need to follow him. Well, something sparked in that second time. And that sort of was a trigger for him to say, God's really after. God wants my life. Now, it's been a slow journey, but he's at our church every Sunday. He's, we're, we're discipling him up. He's leading now, mostly leading a discipleship group, but he's sharing the gospel at work. He's inviting people to church. It's just been wonderful to see how God has worked in this guy's life, all because we ran into him two of these uh, two times at the bus station, both times when he missed his bus. And then, Steve, there's a second incident where, uh, again, about two years ago, we knocked on the door of a family. The wife accepted prayer and accepted the gospel share, and the husband was listening in the other room. And uh, he said to his two teenage boys, he said, oh, these are Jehovah Witnesses. Look, they won't say that Jesus is the Son of God. And just as he said that, the person sharing the three circles said, and Jesus was the son of God. And so he jumped up out of his chair and came out to the door and uh, couldn't believe that, you know, that we were out uh, sharing the gospel like this. And God was working in his life, bringing him sort of back to Christ as well. And so we actually, that team left the house without ever telling them. Uh, what church we were from or where we were from because they just shared the gospel. But they remembered and we sent a little flyer in the mail to them and they got the flyer the next week, showed up on church on Sunday. And God had done something on that Sunday where something from his past and something our church was doing in the community, they connected together. And it was just like God said to him, you've, you've found your home, you've come back to me. And God worked so powerfully in his life in that moment. They, they had been living together, had not been married. They got married almost in the next couple of weeks uh, and then just sort of began to disciple him. He came into the church really highly motivated. He was like, you got to baptize my sons right away. And I sort of realized, okay, maybe he doesn't quite understand grace yet. You know, he just wants a baptism. And so we began to... Um, you know, walk with him, get him discipled. They were meeting in a discipleship group every week for about the next year or so. He was discipled and just saw his faith and his roots deepen. And so now, Steve, 18 months later, here's this guy we knocked on the door with. Now he comes and sits in my office and he says, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready to start. You know, he'd already been sharing the gospel, but I want to do ministry. I want to gather people. I want to see if I can start a church. And he was ready to go off to Bible school potentially and train to be a pastor. And I said, let's just see if you can just learn these simple tools and uh, start to gather some people in the living room of your home with your family and see if you can begin to make disciples there. And let's just see what God does. I've heard you talking about the church at Harbour as a, yep. as, as a place where people come. Yep. You're also talking about starting churches in, in, in bars and homes and, yeah. and cafes. Uh, how do you work that sort of dual reality of, you know, established church and at the same time we're starting them all over the place, wherever we can? Yeah, we've, we've really found it. 
Steve, to be a wonderful synergy, because when we're out in the harvest, what we've learned is each church takes on a slightly different culture. So all the gatherings are just a little bit different. In fact, some are quite different. And so when we're out in the harvest meeting people, you'll almost intuitively know what church they would be best associated with or what church they might appreciate. And so there's this wonderful ability for us to, you know, point people and direct people to the different churches. There's not been any, I don't sense much competitive spirit amongst us all, sort of all working together uh, to try to reach people and try to disciple them. Uh, the other way we sort of keep it all working together is all the pastors of the, the church starts. We meet together every Friday. We do lunch together and some, you know, can come on their lunch break from work. And we do an IOI every Friday together. So one person presents. We try to do it in 45 minutes. So uh, we gather. Everyone's eating lunch. One person presents. We work through the IOI format and, uh, and, you know, and equip and encourage them, try to get them unstuck. And then we, we end by one o'clock. So that's been a wonderful way for each church starter to know what the other church starts are doing, to be able to pray for them, to know what's going on. But also, we're all learning a lot in the room. Even if you're not the one presenting, you're really learning a lot as you're hearing what other churches are doing and how they're trying to get unstuck. So that's one way we sort of try to keep it all together and, and working together. Lead. Uh, not everyone in the church would be, you know, like 100% saying, let's go out in the harvest. But there is a growing number of people and a growing passion for evangelism. But the other thing that I've learned is that as we are doing this, God has brought people our way. He's brought leaders and he's brought people who want to be a part of this kind of church and a kind of, as I said earlier, a kind of place where we're believing in the power of the gospel and going out. And so I'm thinking, um, you know, COVID, when COVID started, you know, all the college students are away and they come home, you know, because dorm rooms have closed down and everything. And there's a story of two guys in our midst who came back and had known what I was doing. And uh, one's my son and one's a good friend of his. So I've known them, you know, known both of, well, obviously my son, but the other one for quite a while. And they sort of saw what we were doing and really had caught the vision in that. And so, um, so come July 1st, so two years ago, July 1st, the two of them meet downtown in a mini mart and it's called the Pony Mini Mart. It's got a picture of a little pony on the outside. And the woman in there, we had met her in our downtown ministry. She fixed up a back room for us and uh, tidied it all up. It was this old junky room and the, 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 the apartment above, the cats had peed on the floor so much that the room just stunk. And so she had cleaned it up. She had a passion that we could use this room for gospel ministry. And so during COVID, she had it cleaned up and she texted me and she said, Pastor, I'm ready for the church to come into this room. And I sort of thought, I don't really have churches just to assign to places, but I shared that picture. And so these two guys, they went down there on July 1st on a Wednesday and they sat in that room and they did the three thirds together. They sang, they worshiped, they prayed mm -hmm. and they said, God, what would you want to do mm -hmm. in this place? And, and again, these were people that were coming to our church because they were seeing the vision they were going out in the harvest. Well, almost Steve, since that night, you know, not perfectly, but almost every week, God has added to their number. And so we have just seen over two years, slowly, you know, the next week it was five, I think the next week it was eight, and then just slowly this group of people began to grow and share the vision, 
And so they got so large that they outgrew that room. So they had to move back to the main building, but they kept the name. So they called themselves Pony Church. And now they're about 70, 80 strong, all, you know, mostly all committed to the mission, sharing the gospel, uh, seeing their friends, making disciples, seeing people baptized. That's been a wonderful story. And then since that room got vacated, we've seen another church begin to emerge out of there. And that one is affectionately named Pony Express. So uh, that's They're going the one, one better. <laughs> that's the next one that's coming up out of there. And that's still in very early stages. That could, you know, the spirit moved differently. That could end tomorrow. But again, just seeing that next generation come up there. And, and these are initiatives that you're not driving. They're popping up. People are popping up who are sharing this vision to, to reach the lost and to plant churches and make disciples. Yeah, yeah, Steve, that, yeah, that is exactly, I don't feel like I can take much credit in this or to whatever degree we see God moving in our midst, and it's all by his grace. But yeah, as we've just tried to share the gospel and tried to disciple people, it's these gatherings have just sort of naturally been occurring. And it's almost like you the, the gather, you just have to start grouping people together because you just can't handle it one-on-one. Um, about three years ago, when I came back from my time with Russell, I determined I was going to share um, my, I was going to share the gospel with all the people in my Oikos, sort of go back over them all. And just one more time, I hadn't shown them the three circles, so I thought that gives me a good opportunity to do something new. And so one of the first people I met with was a guy I'd known for 16 years. And uh, him and I had come back to Canada. He had come to Canada about the same month. And so we sat in a Tim Hortons. We'd had tons of spiritual conversations. I knew his mother well. And, uh, but he'd never really been that open. So we sat in a Tim, oh, a Tim Hortons is a coffee shop in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, shared that, shared the three circles with him. And on that night, uh, he just trusted in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got back together the next Monday night to start the discipleship process. And he was a new man. Uh, he was saying things that I'd never heard him say before. And I said to him, I said, where's this coming from? And he said, well, Jeff, last week I trusted in Jesus. And he's got control now. And I don't need to worry about these things. I just couldn't believe the transformation in him. And God was so good to give me someone like him early on so I could sort of just learn from him. Again, a guy that accepts the message, the mission, uh, you know, really accepts the mission. And so we started meeting every Monday night. And then as we would set goals, then he started bringing his friends to the group. Sometimes he just surprised me with them. They just show up. And, uh, and then we'd share the gospel together. And we actually saw in that first year, three of his friends trust in Christ. I was able to baptize him. And then he was able to baptize two of those friends Um, And so that was going along, Steve, just sort of seeing that happening, Um, you know, this group growing and we we tried to name it, tried to identify as a church and that that began to grow. And that was just sort of happening organically, really, because he was inviting all his friends and everything. And then just as then he got a job in a different part of uh, Canada and was going to move away. And I sort of thought, oh, this is going to die without his presence and leadership. This was his oikos. And just as that began, he began to tail off. We had actually been meeting in a bar. A friend of mine owned a bar downtown and he said we could meet in there in the basement. And so then he started joining us. He sort of saw what we were doing and he sort of began to sit in. And, uh, and then over the next couple of weeks, this guy, Uh, He trusted in Christ and became just transformed as well. And I'd known him for three or four years. 
And he was never interested in the gospel. He always jokes with me. He said, Jeff, if you had invited me earlier, I would have come earlier to your Bible study. <laughs> I've always said, you weren't interested at all. You would not have come. You were not interested. But God worked in his life. And so he started joining us. So just as my first friend was tailing off, my second friend began to pick up momentum with Christ. And then he started inviting people. And so that group has continued to meet on Monday night for about three years now. Uh, we just baptized someone a couple of weeks ago out of that group. We call that the Simple Church. And just amazed to see how, you know, that continuing to reach people through their oikos. It's not a large group. If we have 12 people on a night, we're, we're thrilled. But slowly making disciples and just investing in people and seeing how they're committed to the goals and committed to, you know, bringing their friends and sharing the gospel. And so there's a strong foundation. We'll see what the Lord does. But uh, still meeting in the bar as well on uh, on Monday nights. He now closes it for us so we can have the whole building to ourselves. <laughs> Jeff, where's, what are you trusting God for with yeah. this? Where's this going? Yeah. Um, one thing is I have sort of studied through Acts and everything as a pastor of a local church. I've uh, so appreciated, you know, Paul going out from Antioch, how that church sent him and how he comes back and he reports. And, and I think there would have been a sense in that church that all that Paul and Barnabas or all that Paul and Silas did, that whole church would have said, we've done this. This has been part of our ministry. And so I love the picture of, a, of an Antioch church. You know, that's that's sending missionaries and doing things. And that's been a good vision for me uh, for what I'd like our church, Harbor Fellowship, to look like. Would we be a church like Antioch that's sending out people, but that's seeing uh, churches started and then next generation churches started and played out? And so part of my vision is that Harbor would be like the Antioch of Acts. But then as I think about our province, Ontario, 13 million people far from God. You know, one church like Harbor, is as much as God could bless us, we're not going to be able to be an Antioch to all of Ontario. So what I've been able, what my prayer is, is that God would raise up 30 churches in the 30 most populous cities of Ontario and all churches that would have that Antioch spirit. You know, we want to enter into the harvest. We want to share the gospel. We want to make disciples and we want to see people begin to gather and, and in my heart, if God was to give us 30 churches like that in the 30 most populous cities, that would be the beginning of some momentum and movement to really see us put a dent in that uh, 13 million people far from God number. So that's what I'm trusting God for. And believing that if God would just add just even one or two more churches, you know, we, we're not going to go from one to 30, but if we go from one to two or three across our province, and even in the last month or two, Steve, just have seen a little bit of movement in how God might begin to birth that kind of spirit in some other churches. Well, I hope you're enjoying the Movements podcast. If you are, don't forget to leave a review and hit that subscribe button. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.